Enjoy Friday night dinners at the American German Club. Doors open at 5 p.m. Dinner, dessert, and coffee services are served from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. only. There's a live band, full bar with liquor and wine, including German and domestic beers on tap. $10 for admission and dinner is just $12. Visit AmericanGermanClub.org for more info. What a great rendition. Now I'm kind of sad that uh, I didn't accept my son's offer to get me tickets to see Gladys Knight. Because I'm telling you, as a 70-year-old woman rocking a miniskirt and the song, go figure, right? Makes me hopeful. <laughs> um, and that is the extent to which I experienced last night's Super Bowl. And, and I didn't actually see her sing that um, until later that evening when I just played it on YouTube. Because I got to be honest with you. I wasn't interested. I um, People kept asking me, who do you want to win? My granddaughter from L.A. called me and said, well, you know, puppy, who are you rooting for? I said, uh, the Patriots. And she said, no, no. And I said, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't like the way people are so mean to to Tom Brady. I mean, I don't care one way or the other, but always root for the underdog and that was the extent of my involvement in the uh, Super Bowl as a matter of fact my husband turned it on at the beginning of the fourth quarter and from what I can tell he didn't miss anything Hobo said uh, he turned it on in the third quarter and he didn't miss anything so what a nothing burger as the uh, politicians like to say it was a big nothing burger extremely boring yeah well and I knew when it right when when the game was over like I think it was like beginning of the fourth. I watched Tom Brady not get hit one time on one series. I said this game's over, and not even three minutes later they scored a touchdown, and the game was over. Game was over. Well, it was three three for like a long time. I heard, which is uh, really low scoring for such a game. But the really big news is that the uh, Super Bowl will be here in Miami next year, and uh, people are putting in their their tapes or whatever their auditions to see who's going to be the halftime. Artist, and uh, you know, my vote is for Pitbull. We I mean, might as well, it's either you know, Gloria Stefan or Pitbull. If you can have somebody um, sing the national anthem, it should be Gloria, and Pitbull should do the halftime show. Just saying. I mean, is there anybody else that uh, we closely identify with South Florida? You know, please spare me Ricky Martin um, or any of the other um, retreads that every now and then they keep trying to prop up again through the Super Bowl. I did not see the halftime show, and to be honest, I haven't even heard anything about it. I got a text message from Brennan in the middle of the halftime show, which I wasn't watching, in which he said, well, you know, it looks, uh, I think they took care of all the political correctness or something. Uh, let me actually read it, because it was a clever, clever comment. I Sometimes I wish that I just gave him my Twitter uh, password and let him post for me because he's uh, he's just innately clever. Um, he said, "Well, they had a black choir in the halftime show, so everything's cool now, right?" <laughs> and then he said, "I've been to property assessments that were more exciting than this game, <laughs> which is a pretty uh, pretty nice slam, you know." And I just didn't even bother. I, I got home from I went out. I got home and I uh, I was really disappointed because um, the Levin show wasn't on. I don't know what happened to it. There was like Rick Scott, or not Rick Scott, uh, 
whatever the other the the news guy Scott is on uh, Fox. He was doing some I don't know some night show, and I thought, wow, did they like actually cancel the one show that I watch on Fox, which is Life, Liberty, and Levin on Sunday nights? And I I don't know the answer to that question. Nobody's been able to answer that question for me. I don't really know who to call to find out the answer. I googled it. <laughs> Nothing came up, so uh, I I ended up putting on a um, a a, (laughs) you're gonna love this hobo. I put on a Marion Williamson tape. I thought, let me refresh my memory of Marion Williamson since she is now one of the declared candidates for the Democratic nomination. There's a bunch of them now, ten, eleven. I think Tulsi Gabbard jumped in this weekend. Of course, we have Spartacus is in. Kamala Harris is in. It's kind of interesting watching Spartacus, though. I didn't see a whole lot of him this weekend. Uh, Hobo had uh, sort of insisted I watched his uh, announcement video, which came out on the first day of Black History Month. And actually, it was not bad when I sat through it on Friday night. It really was kind of inspirational and hopeful. Um, The antithesis of everybody else's, go get Trump, impeach Trump, that, you know, everybody else is like, um, just hammering how they're going to go in there and be so different. He really kind of did this whole, um, you know, I mean, Kamala Harris said we're better than that, but he didn't say that. He just said, you know, everybody has an enormous opportunity and, uh, and, and, you know, let's, let's embrace our differences and move forward. And I thought that was, uh, that was pretty, uh, interesting. So we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens. I am uh, really curious about how this uh, craziness in uh, Virginia is going to settle out um, because I, I, I'm i still trying to figure out, really, how did Northam go from, I'm really sorry for that posting on my yearbook page with a black face and a, and a hood, a Ku Klux Klan member, and then the next day that's not me. So what do you, I'm confused. What was he really sorry for Friday, that it appeared on his page? Um, Did an editor put it on his page? Did he put it on his page? I haven't, uh, you know, thought about yearbooks in a long time, but in the day, I don't, you know, you didn't get to pick what went on your yearbook page. You didn't have a page. You were just maybe some pictures of yours were sprinkled in, and sometimes your, you know, friends or your parents or your, you know, your whatever society could take out a an ad you know congratulating you but there was no like page i didn't have a page of my own in my yearbook and i don't think anybody had a page of their own of my kids at all i mean they had a little picture with all the other little pictures but that was about it and they appeared randomly in some photographs of the year in review but you know how this guy got an entire page to himself in medical school is really kind of stunning Especially when it was so uh, creepy when you get right down to it. Absolutely creepy. But I, I just don't know. I have really, really mixed feelings about the whole thing. You know, to me, he should be drummed out of office because of his uh, position on, on, you know, take the baby and lay it down and keep it comfortable and then have a little discussion about what you should do with this baby. I mean, that to me is grounds to not only um, be taken out of, out of office, but really to, to be taken out of the medical profession because isn't it like, you know, do no harm? I, I, I just That confused me a lot. As far as his, uh, you know, his adolescent uh, racism, 
or young adult racism. I guess he was in medical school, so he was already in his 20s when that picture was up. But, you know, that's that's uh, significant, but it's not as significant as saying that you should lay the baby down and resuscitate it if the mother says so. If not, just have this conversation about what to do with this infant. Because that's what it is. It's not a fetus. It's not a, a collection of cells. It's not a, a fantasy. It's a baby. And he didn't know what you should do with it. He thought the mother and the doctor should make some sort of determination like they were God. So that, to me, was grounds for dismissal. But, you know, they wanted to get the American people off that subject as quickly as possible because it really made abortion rights look horrifying. So they, uh, I think a Democrat must have, like, gone and looked up that, that picture and said, hey, let's make him a racist. Yeah, that's a ticket. He's a racist. By the way, I believe that the lieutenant governor, he was lieutenant governor for um, Terry McAuliffe, who's now saying he's a great guy, great guy. I'll have to step down. He's a great guy, Bill. I'll have to step down. I believe that his lieutenant governor is actually African-American. Has anybody asked him if, uh, if Northam's a racist? I'm just curious. I don't know if he is or he isn't. But to me, he's more of a, uh, a soulless person than anything. So, uh, yeah, I'm just still, right? See, Karen agrees with me. What difference does it make to me if he was a racist? I mean, is he a racist today? Well, has he got a black... uh, Tucker had the best line, Tucker Carlson. He said, maybe the Democrats would be upset if he had a black face while he was committing infanticide. Infanticide. (laughs) Oh, my God. But here, you're asking about the... um, the uh, lieutenant, lieutenant governor, governor who's african-american he is african-american right, right? uh-huh so he's in hiding though i haven't seen him no yet. i have sound from him if you can turn it on for me hobo and i'll get it for you okay uh, i'm really curious yeah I mean. so because this is directly in his wheelhouse um yeah it is um so, oh, here we go. So the lieutenant governor, Justin Fairfax, says he's not one of them asking for him to resign. This really is a moment of reflection uh, where we have to think about uh, having leadership that unites us, that can help us arise the better angels of our nature. And- mm. Better angels of our nature. That's a great line. But, you know, he's in a tough position because if Northam steps down, he becomes the governor. Yeah. And so for him, so he doesn't want to look too eager. And then he also has to defend the entire racial controversy. Well, I I have the exact sound from, you know, Northam made this statement on our sister station, WTOP. Mm-hmm. And they all kind of sat there in the control room looking at him. Had you and I been in there, we would have gone, what? What did you say? Because he said this. So in this particular example, uh, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, the infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, mm. The infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother oh, would Oh, wouldn't you desired. have said, what? <laughs> yeah. I Wait, said what, what. Are you, what are you saying? I would have said, are you a doctor? Cause, cause he's a neuro, he's a... Yeah, he's, he's a pediatric doctor. So apparently, uh, you know, babies are just uh, numbers to him, insurance claims or something, because that was outrageous. And that, to me, was the, you know, the horrible part of Northam. As for his uh, stupid, and then somebody said he was trying to do the moonwalk during a press conference. Yeah, what so, on earth was that all well, about? Well, he said, look, this is not me in with the blackface or the Klan hood, either one of them. Oh. But I did blacken my face to play, and he had to look at his wife. She goes, Michael Jackson. Mm. in a dance contest because I learned how to moonwalk. Oh, I see. So I'll admit to that. But mm. I didn't blacken my whole face because if you've ever put shoe polish on your face, it's oh. hard to get it off. Whoa. 
Oh, first and foremost, if you're dressing up like Michael Jackson, you don't you have should. to blacken your face. Exactly. You know, my skin color is actually darker than Michael Jackson. I'd have to put some lightning agent on it to do the. Uh, it's moonwalk. really a crazy story. It is, and and if that I were a Republican, say, though, oh please, he he would not only have already left office, but he'd have left the country. You know, because they would have been hounding his home, and although they they were scrawling racist on the sidewalk in front of the state house and stuff, I mean it hasn't gone uh, well for him. You know, what's fascinating to me though is Donald Trump has given everyone guts to stay in the fight much longer than they used to. I look at this guy and I'm thinking he's just thinking if I can hold on 72 hours, 124 hours, well, this will did, blow over. There's, there's there's only one term for the governor in Virginia. There's no one that can remove him. It's up to him to resign. Right. It's so it's like, what are you going to do about it? No. So that's not. when he came back and goes, well, I think I would have remembered if I was one of those people in that picture because I remember I darkened my face to be Michael Jackson. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and now we find out that, uh, you know, apparently there was some, uh, you know, allegations of harassment uh, against him. Uh, sexual harassment that happened in 2004. Oh my God, the threefer. Yeah, it, but it the, does, he hits all the bases. Yes, he did. Racist. But the the uh, Lieutenant Governor Fairfax says the Washington Post initially declined to publish a story about sexual assault allegations after finding significant red flags. So I think it's his, his, uh, I don't know. Was it the Lieutenant Governor who got called out on? On sexual harassment charges, yes, it's it a was. mess. It's just a mess. Fair it really facts. is. Yeah. yeah, he's fighting against right. uh, these sexual assault. You know, so they ought to just not the hat trick for him, <laughs> right? But it's like the the administration together is a hat trick. It's yeah. just that each individual card contributes his own part. All right, um, he needs more time to decide his future, though. That's what he told his staff. Well, it's all up to him. You got uh, you got ten minutes before <laughs> the world comes crashing down. Thank you, Karen. Appreciate. It. All right, let's take uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Enjoy Friday night dinners at the American German Club. Doors open at 5 p.m. every Friday night of the year. Dinner, dessert, and coffee services are optional. Serve from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. only. There's a live band from 7 to 11 playing ballroom, standards, party music, and German traditional. Full bar with liquor and wine, including German and domestic beers on tap. $10 for admission and dinner is just $12. Visit AmericanGermanClub.org for more information. Well, we're going to have to see what happens on February... 15th. And You're not taking I, I off think, the table. Well, I don't, I don't take anything off the table. I don't like to take things off the table. Uh, it's that alternative. It's national emergency. It's other things. And, you know, there have been plenty national emergencies called. And this really is an invasion of our country by human traffickers. These are people that are horrible people bringing in women mostly, but bringing in women and children into our country, human trafficking, and uh, we're going to have a strong border. And the only way you have a strong border is you need a physical barrier, you need a wall. And anybody that says you don't, they're just playing games. You had quite the showdown with Speaker Pelosi. What did you learn about negotiating with her? Well, I think that uh, she was very rigid, which I would expect, but I think she's very bad for our country. Uh, she knows that you need a barrier. She knows that we need border security. She wanted to win a political point. I happen to think it's very bad politics because basically she wants open borders. Yeah, 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 yeah. However, there were a 
bunch of interesting articles over the weekend regarding whether or not the president will declare a national emergency to get uh, you know the the wall built and i i must admit that i learned a lot this weekend just studying the um machinations about declaring a national emergency for this proposed border wall now there have been numbers of national emergencies declared before most of the time when the president does such uh congress is not in disagreement with him it's not like it's the tool used when you can't get along with congress or you cannot come um together with congress it's not the the uh usual tool that you use for instance if you declare a national emergency over something that just about anybody on either side of the aisle agrees with um nobody fights the dangers of declaring a national emergency for this wall, however, are that uh, you literally could pretty much uh, put an end to the Republican Party for the ever. <laughs> I'm sorry, because if the president does this with the Democrats controlling the House, the Congress could pass a resolution disapproving the emergency declaration so if the declaration happens and then um they pass a resolution disapproving it he might have to veto the declaration which would put him at odds with the republicans so I, i'm not really sure that this is as good an option as i may have thought it was before i did a little studying about it now mitch mcconnell has come out and um confirmed what some of my research but then again as soon as i hear mitch mcconnell saying stuff i and i have a tendency to believe well wait then there's got to be a better way the attorneys who are working in the white house for president trump are not naive and they're not dumb i am sure they are studying this and i don't know what conversations have taken place either on the phone or in person between the president and the majority leader in the Senate. I just don't know. Um, Mitch McConnell's office is very quiet and the president's uh, spokesperson has not discussed it at all. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I think tomorrow night is going to be fascinating. I'm really looking forward to it. And I, I, by the way, Aaron's table sold out so quickly. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that many of you won't be able to be there tomorrow night. But uh, listen, because we'll be broadcasting live from 7 to 9, and then we'll be carrying the um, State of the Union address, which I will have the good fortune of listening to as I drive home, which is a, a whole lot better than having to watch the jumping up and down and the, you know, the people who don't get up. And the, I just, that makes me aggravated and I can't concentrate on what's being said. So I'm actually kind of happy that I'll be listening on 850 WFTL to the State of the Union address after I leave Aaron's table. Or maybe I'll just stay. I, I, I don't know. It's a long, long ride. And, uh, I'm not a big fan of driving at night, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I have to tell you, I am so looking forward to this. Two things I I wanna um, I wanna predict are gonna happen. Okay, the first thing is the president's gonna talk about the economy. 
And he should. He should talk about this economy because this economy is, um, you know, nothing short of miraculous in spite of how horribly he's treated. Um, he has delivered for workers something that previous presidents have all promised and not been able to do. The uh, jobs report wasn't a fluke. It's just a it's just an example of how his economic policies are actually making middle class families lives better. For the first time in more than 20 years, the number of people who are out of the labor force, that means those without jobs and not looking, shrank by 647,000 over the past 12 months. That's unbelievable. The latest numbers also um, prove that all the talk of a tight labor market actually overlooked the vast pool of idle workers during the Obama years. In other words, they keep telling us, we need all this immigration because we don't have enough workers. Well, apparently, we have had enough workers. They just haven't been encouraged to work. They just haven't seen opportunities, and now they do. The Wall Street editorial, uh, Wall Street Journal editorial board wrote that uh, that the Jobs report on Friday was a bad day in certain media and political precincts as the labor market turned in another gangbuster performance in January. Job growth was solid across industries with a notable bump in construction, 52,000 more jobs, and durable goods, which is manufacturing, another 20,000 jobs. Manufacturing jobs. Now listen to this number because all I heard during the election in 2015 and 16 was, oh, you're not bringing manufacturing back. That's a pie in the sky. That's ridiculous. It's not going to happen. We have robots and blah, blah, blah. Well, manufacturing jobs have climbed 261,000 over the last year alone. Border residents in New Mexico say that they are not... I mean, there's so much going on. If the president wants to talk about the economy, he's going to have a, a lot to say. The other thing he's going to talk about is immigration and illegal immigration in particular. Now, I wish I were crafting this part of his address because there, there are some things that need to be said to the American people. And I think the only person who can say them is actually Donald Trump because he really doesn't care what the media has to say following his statements. He has learned that they're not, I think he has finally learned, I don't know, he's still sometimes, like why he went on to face the nation is beyond my comprehension. I mean, uh, you know, just don't do it. But the the message that needs to go out from the State of the Union address is that there are drug cartels and there are human traffickers and there are people who are living in these border towns who are terrified they won't even um, call the authorities because they're afraid that they'll get killed you know um, they don't want to tell tell the authorities when they get robbed they don't want to uh, report when they find people on their property sleeping in their barns because they'll get uh, killed so the president, uh, you know, has sent more troops down to the border. According to the Pentagon yesterday, it sent 3,750 more active duty troops to the border, moving to rebolster forces as these new caravans make their way north through Mexico. The new troops will lay 150 more miles of razor wire to try to make it tougher to climb over existing border fencing. And weren't we talking about this on Friday? Didn't I say we need more barbed wire and everybody laughed at me? 
Um, and we'll also bring mobile surveillance capabilities to assist the Border Patrol in spotting illegal crossers. Now, I'm just going to put this out there. And, you know, I know sometimes the president's people are listening, especially down here in South Florida, to many of the programs. But I would, uh, I would say to them, no matter what this left-leaning media has to say about it, it's time to tell the absolute unvarnished, unblemished truth about what's happening at our border and about what's about to happen at our border. I've been following some of these new caravans uh, since they left Honduras, since they left Guatemala. You know, the one thing you can't do anymore is steal in in the dead of night. There are just too many people out there who are either embedding themselves in these caravans to report on them or uh, launching drugs and drones, rather, um, over the drug cartels, uh, holdings, you know, areas, and watching the movement. And the movement is scary. 12,000, 14,000. The numbers just keep climbing. Um, within 300 miles now of the Texas border. Why Texas? A lot more unguarded areas. Obviously, the the uh, the Democrats don't want border security. But the White House, and in that I mean the executive, the the president, has got to make the case. He really does. Um, there's a stopgap spending bill, right, that ends a week from Friday, at which point there'll be another government shutdown if there's no deal agreed upon, right? The government shutdown did not work to the president's advantage. I don't think he makes the same mistake twice. I don't think there's going to be a government shutdown. I do think that his attorneys have been tasked with figuring out how he moves funds from one area of the budget to another area of the budget to get this done without declaring a national emergency. This is just me. But I think there are some opportunities. I did a lot of reading over the weekend, and I can, you know, I've begun to find areas where the money's fungible, which means it can be moved around. And we're not even talking about that much money when you get right down to it. It sounds like a whole lot to me. But when you look in terms of, of our overall budget and when you look in terms of the money that we waste in this country every single month, you realize that there is uh, there are some opportunities to move some of the money and to get this done. The military can get it done. The military um, is under the direct orders of the chief executive. That's why he's called the commander-in-chief. Now, um, would some of his... Uh, military geniuses resent doing what he tells them to do, probably. But I found it fascinating this weekend watching all these people saying, well, how come he's not listening to uh, his intelligence? And how come he doesn't listen to his advisors? And how come, how come, how come? And, And this is what I would say to everyone. Isn't it fascinating that the same people who thought that President Bush was getting terrible advice from his advisors, particularly when it came to the torture as they called it or enhanced interrogation as i called it oh you couldn't trust what was coming out of the cia and the fbi that oh no 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 they were they were evil and all of a sudden now how come he doesn't trust them 
Well, maybe because nobody trusts them anymore in so many areas. That's not the, the average person that's in the military. It's not the average agent that works in the CIA or the FBI. I don't think we mistrust the agents, but I think some of the um, bureaucracy is deeply embedded, and we don't trust them. We've just seen too much lately of them abusing their power. So uh, I, I doesn't bother me. If the president says, I'm the commander-in-chief, I will make the decision. I listen to the intelligence, but I think they're naive. I love that line because you know what? I agree with them about this whole uh, socialism phase that a lot of uh, young people are going through in this country because I think it's important that we have a, a, a winning argument when we talk to them. And And... You know, there's no question in my mind that a lot of these young people, they're very compassionate. And they, they really, um, they believe uh, that, that, that they're speaking on behalf of struggling and, and people who may have not had uh, privilege, whatever kind of cisgendered or white privilege, all this nonsense that, uh, you know, that they, their heads have been filled with in these crazy universities that they've been going in. But I want to talk about that. I want to address it. I want to give you an argument. I, I must admit the Constitution Party gave me a great roadmap to do that. So I want to do that in the next hour. But for now, I just want to point out to those of you who are left in my listening audience who uh, may have, uh, a dis- and I know you're there because you send me these vile emails every now and again. Um, I, I just want to ask you about this Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and the fact that she spent uh, some time on the phone this weekend with Jeremy Corbyn. 